I saw something interesting the other day on the internet and it, cause it must be true. Um, but it was a, it was an article on why they were trying to figure out why alcohol sales were up during the pandemic. Welcome to the exploring Washington state podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right. So today I'm with AJ Rance and sorry, don't mean to laugh. That's not why I'm laughing. Backstory you guys don't need to know about. All right, AJ, thanks for being here today. Um, tell our audience about cocktail cards. Yeah. So cocktail cards is kind of a passion product that I came up with um, in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic as a result of, you know, me not being able to find work, bartender for 10 years and trying to find a way to bring something to the market uh, to try and, you know, make some money this year. I saw something interesting the other day on the internet and it, cause it must be true. Um, but it was a, it was an article on why they were trying to figure out why alcohol sales were up during the pandemic. And I was just, I was kind of like, doesn't it seem obvious? Everybody's stressed out. Everybody's stuck at home and yeah. Hello. So you've created these cards and we're, and we're going to talk about the cards a lot, but before we talk about the cards, 10 years of bartending in the Seattle area, or did you do this elsewhere in the state? And you must have some interesting bar stories to share after 10 years. Yeah, there's, <laughs> you, you see it all um, bartending, you know, there's no shortage of entertainment on both sides of the bar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that. And actually the place where I started was over at the gorge, believe it or oh, not. Oh, really? Cause, yeah. Cause I lived in Efreda for, you know, growing up. And when I got old enough to bartend, I still had friends there and working there. And it was a cool opportunity to go over, see free concerts, serve some beer until it was dark out, and then go watch music. So, um, yeah, it really started there. And then I've been living in the Seattle area this whole time. So I've been bartending up on Queen Anne, Fremont, and uh, Edmonds. And then most of my time has been down uh, kind of close to UW in the Laurelhurst area. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the Gorge because that's kind of my wheelhouse, music and mm-hmm. alcohol. Um and- who was what show did you have to work at that was like the most fun for you? Like, was there, was there a show that you got to quote unquote see, but you know, you were, you know, serving beers at what was, what was cool at the gorge? Um, they were all cool. First, okay. they were all cool. Uh, but one that stood out probably the most was um, I was there for the very last Ozfest for the oh. last time Ozzy was, was torn. And uh, that was hilarious. Just seeing this guy, uh, still be Ozzy. <laughs> he's, he's talking before the music, before the song starts playing and you can't understand a single word he's saying and the music starts playing. And it's like, he's, he's Ozzy from 30 years ago. It was incredible, you know? And then um, one funny moment that does still stick out to this day, like it happened yesterday was he used to take, you know, buckets of, I'm sure way back in the day, it would be fake blood or whatever, and just dump it on the audience and uh, so during his set, he's take he takes these buckets of water and he's like trying to carry them to the front of the stage. It's like the longest process of all time. And he <laughs> takes it, he goes to like try and throw it at the audience and just dumps the whole bucket on like one person. <laughs> and then goes back, grabs another bucket and does this a couple of times. It was just, it, you know, and everyone's rooting for him. You know, it's like, dude, you're, how are you even doing this at all? It was incredible. You know, the last time I saw Ozzy on TV, you're right. Can you, you know, and that, you know, can sing perfectly. Like, yeah, it's like, what happened? What, 
what is wrong with your brain? Him. Yeah. What, 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 what did you kill in your brain to, to anyway? So you saw Ozfest. Okay. Uh, what else did you, it's just cause we always talk music too. So what else did you see at the Gorge that was notable? Um, you know, of course you had, um, oh goodness. Well, who's the guy that does like all that does like three nights there. Um, Dave Matthews, Dave Matthews. Yes, of course. Dave Matthews. That's like the big one. Yeah. Um, Paradiso, like back when it was, um, oh gosh, what was it called? It was Paradiso. And before that it was like revolution or something like that. Um, that was really fun to watch kind of go from really small to really big. And, you know, I like pop punk. So like warp tour and all that stuff. Okay. Fun. Um, and then, uh, they had, you know, KSW was putting on like a rock fest there. Um, uh, that was really fun because it was really small to begin with, but they had awesome, awesome, uh, rock artists there, mm-hmm. which was great. And yeah, list goes, list goes on and on. I mean, I've been, I grew up close to there. So, I mean, I've probably seen, I would, I would, I would say probably three to 400 concerts there. Wow. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> One last gorge question as it relates to your job. Mm-hmm. Any show stick out for increased alcohol consumption? I mean, was there a band that was there that people were drinking to more than normal? It was the rock and roll crowd. Okay. Right? It's, it's the, it's the adults that were double my age, but uh-huh. thought they were my age, just right. rocking out. Right. right. Um, and I remember for Ozfest in particular, there was this Corona basically all we were selling were these big, you know, 22 ounce Corona bottles for $22. Yeah. For 22 bucks <laughs> on the side of the stage. And the line was just all the way up the sidewalk. It was insane. And I couldn't open literally all I'm doing is just opening bottles and handing it to people. And I'd have, you know, another person just doing the cash or I think we had like three people doing the cash and I'm just doing the, I was the only one old enough to bartend in the the crew. Okay. So I'm like popping all the bottles and stuff. And, yeah, it was a blast. It was really fun. Um, like I would just see people order like four of them and just go right back to the end of the line. <laughs> just drink while they're in line. Yeah. Just drink while they're waiting. It's like, all right. Because uh, they're all trying to get, you know, they, they just don't want to miss Aussie. So they're trying to get the beers right. while they can. Yeah, I saw Dave Matthews there quite a few times. And that was an interesting crowd. I used to um, chauffeur. And... Um, the limo company I was working for had a connection with somebody who did the gorgeous solid about back in the day, about a fire truck and a water truck. So he had his, he had a private box seat, you know, those boxes. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the first year I had to, the first year I got, I don't, I don't want to say I had to, I, because I was super happy to do this, but I, I drove over this limo full of people to the Dave Matthews show and we're driving, we got, back where the tour buses are and all this stuff. And we're, I got to go to the show, but I had to wear the chauffeur's monkey suit the entire time. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and people are looking at me like, I'm like, why is the FBI here? You know, and people were like this wide berth around me, you know, and I had sunglasses on and, you know, it was just like, they were, I'd go like this every now and then like talking into my wrist and people yeah. would just go around me. And <laughs> a couple years later I got to do it and drove over, but I could wear shorts this time. But I, when I was driving the car, I had a jacket and shirt on, but then I could, I could go to the show. And anyway, Matthews was pretty crazy, but I saw, I saw dead and company there a few times. And uh, that's an interesting crowd, especially mm-hmm. on the hillside. Um, a lot of people just like, falling down. Mm-hmm. anyway, you, you've seen it, you know, the drill. All right. So 
the gorge. We digress. That's kind of these episodes are like Grateful Dead shows. They never meander. Well, they always meander. They never go point A to point B. We cannot do that. I have Mm -hmm. to keep you on your toes. Before I hit record, you were saying that you decided the hours were a little bit chaotic for you in Mm -hmm. bartending and all that. So you decided to get out and start doing something on your own. And currently it's cocktail cards. Mm -hmm. Why don't you walk us through from idea to to where we are today how how has this journey gone because i'm sure it's been perfectly smooth with no yeah. surprises nothing like that yeah i've, I've hardly had to do anything money's sort of <laughs> flooding in and uh it's here we are no um, like millions on the internet without even trying sell cocktail <laughs> yeah. cards it's uh, <laughs> it's like a get rich overnight thing it's incredible um no really uh actually a year ago when the pandemic hit um, like you said, I did leave my my bartending job, but I actually left prior to COVID um, to try and figure out how to start and launch my own business. And it didn't go very well. Um, so I was actually job searching a year ago when COVID hit and uh, all the jobs were gone. And basically it was back against the wall, have to figure this out. Uh, so I started taking it a lot more serious and a lot more um, like we got to make this happen here pretty soon. So I did invest in a couple kind of educational courses, people I've seen on YouTube, uh, online who, you know, had their own businesses and stuff like that. So there was one in particular that um, I joined up with where he basically teaches you how to create your own product, mm-hmm. uh, build a brand behind you and crowdsource, and then hopefully raise enough money to afford to um, have your product made, manufactured, and then eventually get it up onto Amazon. And uh, that all sounds really easy saying it, but (laughs) it's a lot of work. Yeah, a lot lot of work, a lot of long process. And it's been really, really fun. I will say the year of trying to learn online business and learn how to get in social media and build a brand helped me tremendously in this process. In fact, I um, I've, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I've been able to raise a lot of money for cocktail cards. And, uh, a lot of that came from just the learning process of failing <laughs> for an entire year. And, uh, it's been quite incredible. Well, you kind of stole my thunder with failing, but yeah. give us an example. What was, what was something you thought, Oh, this is going to be it. This is going to work. And then, you know, boom. unfortunately you tripped on your shoelaces and yeah. Well, you know, it's the, the first one is we, we all watch YouTube videos and we see these, these guys and girls becoming millionaires and they're, you know, they're million followers and mm-hmm. uh, you don't understand how hard all this stuff is. You know, even, you know, you have a podcast. It's like, I, y- you said you got uh, someone else helping you. Like even just doing a podcast by yourself is an insane amount of work and effort uh, for very little returns in the beginning and, and we're doing three episodes a week. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. And that's like, I, I thought I was going to be doing, you know, five YouTube videos a week and <laughs> grow my audience and stuff. So that, that didn't work well. Um, and then when I was learning a lot about, you know, affiliate marketing and, and earning, earning money that way, monetizing your audience, um, I, there's a lot of ways that people tell you, you can, you can make money, the drop shipping things, um, <laughs> the running ads to products that you yourself would never buy in a million years. 
it's just like you could you could really get sucked into some of those things and um they they present it by making money quickly and mm-hmm. in the end you really don't in fact it, it it's time waster because you're building up something that's not sustainable and uh, it's very difficult to make money doing those things so those were definitely some failures but at the same time i learned how to run facebook ads i learned how to um, create social media content and mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. So, um, while I, I took it with a little bit of like, uh, it, it was difficult. I still managed to learn a lot from the processes as well. Let's, well, let's talk about the crowdsourcing crowdfunding for, for cocktail cards. Mm-hmm. How, well, walk us through first off, how many cards are in the set? So it comes with a hundred different cards and then okay. there's three cards. It's like a, one's an index card. So you can find them all quickly. Okay. Uh, one's a in, introductory card, you know, let you know who mm-hmm. I am. And the third one's like a how to card. Cause they have some unique features on there, like a QR code and stuff like that. And then um, the core, the core part of the whole thing are the 100 different cocktail cards, 100 different cocktail cards. Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of sampling, a lot of testing to mm-hmm. make sure these recipes are perfect. <laughs> yep. So I do have, you know, the recipes were kind of easy, um, at least for, I'd say, 75% of them because okay. with 10 years of experience, I've bartended it at cocktail forward restaurants. So okay. it was easy for me to, if it wasn't my own recipe, to look up the most acceptable, like best version of a recipe. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, it started pretty simple. Like here's one of my very first cards where I just took a Sharpie and just mm-hmm. threw, obviously there's not real words on here, but just right. designs and all this type of stuff to get the mind going. Um, and we can talk about how I did a lot of that through like a Facebook group that I launched. But okay, um, yeah, so I, we, we ended up deciding to go with not only recipes, but I wanted step-by-step instructions. Because mm-hmm. as a bartender, I can't tell you how many recipes I wrote down on a bar napkin for people to take home. And then they they come back and they're like, it was good, but it doesn't taste anything like when you make it. And it's like, well, how long did you shake it? And, you know, um, did you did you add the ice to the glass before you put the spirits? You know, so many different variances on things. And so I was like, that is probably really, really important to make sure they always get the version of the cocktail they should be making. Okay. Yeah. And then we also added on the history of each cocktail. And while that's cool and it's an awesome addition to the cards and people love it, uh, that was the most work on this entire project. (laughs) That was hard. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, I was going to ask this later, but I'm just going to ask this now. Mm -hmm. Um, How to make a rusty nail. That's my, that's my favorite cocktail. Yep. How, how do you recommend making a rusty nail? But the, uh, the real question I want to know now is what's the history of the rusty nail? Ooh, the history. You, you know, can look at your cards. It's okay. Look up because that's okay. You can look at your cards. That is, that's a, that's a before my time one. Um, okay. But I know the rusty nail is probably, probably the easiest drink in this box set um, okay. because it's literally just scotch and drambuie. And uh, what um, scotch do you like? What scotch do you recommend for a rusty nail? You know, the rusty nail is so simple. You can do anything you want with your scotch because it's going to come out. So if you like a PD Isle scotch, use a PD Isle scotch. If you hate okay. PD Isle scotch, you want to use like a, 
like a Balvini or a, a Macallan, um, mm-hmm. use that because you're going to taste the scotch in such a simple two ingredient cocktail. Okay. Mm. But uh, yeah, let me, okay. So I do have the history here if you're curious. Yeah, I would like to know. <clears throat> I think our audience wants to know for me what yeah. the history of the Rusty Nail is. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> it first appeared in 1937 and it was actually a British in, at a British industries fair. And it was called BIF, named after the fair. And it really disappeared um, because a lot of these flavored spirits and stuff that were popping up at the world fairs were really not popular at the time. And America's okay. ha- Americans hated it. Uh, but really? it's at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. And around the 1950s, we started to change our mind with prohibition and all that. We started to get sweet toots and all that stuff. So um, it eventually made its way to the States and Drambuie was still dead at that mm-hmm. time. And uh, in the fifties, they brought Drambuie here, which was probably the perfect time to bring it here. And it exploded, just absolutely exploded. And then in the sixties, um, there was a club in Manhattan called the 21 club mm-hmm. and they started featuring it on their menu and they gave it the name, the rusty nail. And, uh, it was, it basically got so popular, just spread around the world from there. What, how do you recommend the ice and a rusty nail? Um, for me, it's, it's funny because when I make rusty nails, it's typically for people who have been drinking it for 30 plus years. So I just ask them. Right. Right. It's just normally how it is. Um, You know, do you want a lot of ice? Do you want a big ice? Um, I like it with big ice cubes. I don't like it watered down as much. Mm -hmm. And I typically like going lighter on the Drambuie because I don't personally have much of a sweet tooth. So I like the scotch to be there with a little accent of the Drambuie and then the water not watering it down too much. Um, Because scotch, actually, the flavor in scotch comes out a lot more if you only introduce a little bit of water to it. Perfect. Yeah. You can make me, you can make me a rusty nail anytime you want. <laughs> yeah. That sounds awesome. Awesome. So that's really cool though, because so uh, wait, go back to the rusty nail card. You said there's a QR code on these cards. Yes. What does that take people to? Yeah. So we, we have the QR code here and I'm sure a lot of people probably won't hear it being a pod or see it being a podcast. Well, if, maybe I'll steal an image from you and we can put one on the show notes. So yeah, someone can have an example. Okay. So we, we were back and forth on whether to put this QR code on here um, because a QR code is not necessarily something you would think luxury, right? If mm-hmm. you spend a lot of money on a product, it's probably not going to have a QR code on it, Yeah, okay. but you know, typically. And, right. but I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm paying a designer a lot of money to design these cards. I bet he can make it look really cool. Mm-hmm. And so I, we were off and on and we were not going to put it on here actually, but my gut feeling was like, you know what? If I want these cards to be the one place stop for anyone to make any drink, um, the only thing missing on here is visual like instruction. And so I'm like, I've been doing these YouTube videos to build a brand and to get awareness and getting people, you know, um, getting into our launch group and all that. I'm like, what if I just use these videos as instructional videos for each card? Now, I know that's a big project because that means there's a hundred videos I have to record and edit and, and make drinks on. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? Why not make this the best product there is? Because there's nothing else out there like it. And uh, so we decided to put it on there and it was a really good decision because I will say it's been probably the number one reason people are buying these. 
is just having like everything organized and being able to use your phone and just scan it and take mm-hmm. you straight to our website where there's that individual video of me making a rusty nail, um, which is, it makes me really happy that people are enjoying it. Cause we, it was definitely one of the hardest decisions in the project. Well, I think it's great because depending on how, what type of learner you are, if you're a visual learner, now you're giving them a visual cue to go watch somebody prepare the drink. Mm-hmm. I was watching a video of you. I think it's on Facebook. So I, does it randomly get this going again? I think it was for 20,000 TikTok followers. Yeah. You did a maple Aztec chocolate old fashioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I was, I, you know, in this video and I'm like, well, that looks pretty cool. I mean, yeah. just it's, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. What is a maple Aztec chocolate old fashioned? Um, but is that kind of like an example that the face, the video I'm seeing on Facebook, is that kind of the style of what people would see then is a, you know, a couple minute video less than a minute in some cases of you putting the cocktail together a little bit. So uh, that is more the TikTok content that I'm putting out there. And TikTok's actually been, believe it or not, um, you know, I'm no spring chicken, but I am on TikTok and that's been a major part of this business has been TikTok. And uh, those videos have to be 60 seconds or less. And so those are easier with my limited time um, to make more cinematic and look, you know, really cool and quick and stuff like that. And the YouTube videos will typically be, um, anywhere from three to 10 minutes long. I try to keep them quick, but some, some things just require a little more explanation or a little more examples. A rusty nail with two ingredients is much, much simpler than. That's going to be a minute long video. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, versus like, uh, like a Manhattan, you know, that's a pretty simple cocktail, but there's like three different versions of Manhattans you can make that are all great. And Mm -hmm. I want to show people and introduce them to all three of them. And and then they can tweak. Cause I'm, I'm a really, really big advocate for don't get sucked into branding. Don't get told what to like, um, try different things. And if you like it, that's the best version for you. So, um, Mm -hmm. so I like to give people a few options if there's, you know, well-known like a dry Manhattan versus a sweet Manhattan, uh, versus a perfect Manhattan. So yeah. What is Wait a second. What is Dry, sweet, what's, you said, you just throw out perfect. What is perfect. a perfect? Perfect's a combination of the two. So okay. it's of the two. Yeah. So instead of that doing sounds one better ounce than of, balanced. of dry vermouth or one ounce of sweet vermouth, you do a half ounce of each. And okay. that's probably, that's my favorite version of a Manhattan. Wow. Okay. So we can go down a lot of, a lot of different directions. This is <laughs> The this drinking is awesome. rabbit hole can go forever. Yeah. It's day drinking. It's, we're recording this in the middle of the day and, you know, here we go. Yep. So you, you, okay. So we started off with the preliminary sketch with the Sharpie on the, on the card. Mm-hmm. You've how many design iterations did you go through before you got to where you're at for the, the actual product now? Yeah, quite a few. Um, <laughs> I would say a couple hundred, but when we say design iterations, I mean, that could be anything from just changing the format to changing mm-hmm. what's included uh, to the logos, to the patterns on the boxes, Um, Mm -hmm. me and my designer were very, very open with communication, uh, which was incredible. He's been awesome to work with. And I created this, uh, Facebook launch group. So Mm -hmm. it was only a few hundred people in there, but I was growing an audience on YouTube initially and growing an audience on TikTok and Instagram. 
And I was able to get, um, you know, all these people funneling them into this Facebook launch group if they were a fan of me and a fan of the potential of the product. And mm -hmm. any idea I had, I would I would show them in the group. And it could be anything like drawn with a Sharpie or it could be something my designer whipped up or something I put up in Photoshop and got feedback. And it was either yay or nay or a completely mm -hmm. different direction. And what's really cool is the finished product I have now is completely different than what I thought it was initially going to be. And a lot of those decisions were not made by me. They were made by people in the actual launch group. And that did a couple things. It, it, it made them fans of the product. So they felt invested in it and they right. you know would be more likely to tell their friends and share it. Um, and then of course, when we go to crowdsourcing, they're going to go buy it. They're going to go pitch in and sure. invest. So, and it was a win-win for everyone because we ended up with a product way better than I could have done on my own. All right. Well, let's talk, let's talk about this crowdsourcing process because that was simple, right? Didn't <laughs> straightforward. <laughs> How did that work for you? How, like walk us through, you know, the steps that that took for you. Yeah. Um, the Facebook launch group was big and building a brand was big. No one's going to pitch in on a business that they've never heard of, right? You got to have right. some brand recognition there. So it all started, you know, probably four months ahead of time, uh, just putting out videos of me making cocktails. And then every once in a while, sprinkle in a little, hey, I'm working on this project to, you know, to help you guys make these drinks at home and mm -hmm. just kind of get awareness and then be like, hey, if you want to join the Facebook group, we'll do monthly giveaways where when the cards are available, um, we'll hand out free cards and uh, stuff like that. So got some good traction there. And we did our initial launch. We had a date set and uh, we launched my business partner has a pretty big YouTube channel. So uh, he helped out a little bit. But honestly, 90% of the sales initially were from that launch group. Okay. And um, that was huge because at the time I did not have much money at all. Um, you know, a year out of work and then not finding work, it, it was a struggle. So the mm -hmm. crowdsourcing was a major part of making this happen. And we raised just shy of $5,000 in the two weeks. That's great. Really cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then um, utilizing that 5,000 to pay my designer. And then I did a little, the next phase is where the creativity had to come in. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, actually still have, I keep this around because it's the coolest part, but, oh, oh my, okay. I'm gonna have to do a little change here with my computer, but what I was able to do was pay my designer with that $5,000 right. and, um, and basically get a dummy sample from a manufacturer and the designer gave me a box sample and then he gave me five cards as a sample and as you okay. can tell, these probably look really bad. And it's because I went to FedEx and had them print the designs on sticker paper. And I just chopped the paper all up into pieces <laughs> and stickered it on this, this blank dummy sample oh here okay. um, to kind of showcase my, my crowdsourcing stuff to get people who weren't involved with it to visually see what could be here. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. <laughs> I like that. So I had to Frankenstein it up a little bit, which was pretty cool. And then now all, all good projects get duct taped and bailing wired together. Come on. Nothing is, exactly. nothing is ready. Like you were saying 
before we went live about, you know, how do you do cable management? I don't, we yeah. just don't have the camera just doesn't show this stuff. You know, it's not a perfect, you know, I, you know, you're, you're creating your cocktails in a video set and probably around you is, you know, chaos. Exactly. Just out of, out of frame, out of shot. It's yeah. just chaos. Yeah. So we were, we were able to, to get a few more sales with that Frankenstein thing. And mm-hmm. I was able to hire the designer or the manufacturer to send me a finished sample. So I actually have a real finished product and that's where things just completely, just completely went crazy for me. Um, once I actually had the physical product in hand, I could really start promoting it on TikTok and, and stuff like that. And that's where the sales just went out of control. Yeah. So you're on, you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you're on TikTok. Where else online do you show up? YouTube. YouTube was YouTube. Okay, yeah, yep, that's yep. the core one. Um, mm-hmm. And then Instagram was the 2.0, I guess, the second thing I was promoting on. But I don't do very well on Instagram. I think that's one platform. I'm just not very savvy because um, a lot of it's still images and stuff like that. I just love my video, you know? So okay. um, being able to make a drink and it's like, every time I make a drink, I'm like, Oh, I got to remember to take a picture for Instagram. It's like always a second thought. And, uh, well, have you tried like putting your, your TikTok videos on Instagram though? You can do a minute, you can do a minute video on Instagram now. So yeah. they might, mm-hmm. they might pop there too. Yep. Yeah. I've been doing them on, on Instagram and okay. um, we have a couple thousand followers there. It's not like mm-hmm. we're, or nothing, but, uh, it, it just doesn't even steep in comparison with YouTube and TikTok with, uh, right. the growth on it. And where else? Oh, so, so people can buy directly from you on your website. Mm-hmm. Where else can people find your, your stuff? Normally we ask this at the end, but we're going to. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so we're actually officially launching on Amazon this week. And, Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. So it's, it's, I'm pretty happy. I mean, you saw the boxes on my floor <laughs> behind me. Um, I've been literally having to ship out. We, we did 1300 sales in the last two weeks and I had to ship out every single one of them. And that's a lot, a lot of work. So I'm so happy to be on Amazon finally. Uh, but when you crowdsource, you're responsible for getting the product to the customer. And that's uh, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to afford this if I didn't crowdsource. So right. I'm more than happy to to do the labor, but I'm also more than happy for it to be done. Right. Uh, so now you're going to be on Amazon. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. So we'll All be right. Amazon and I will continue to sell. Uh, one thing with this process is through YouTube and TikTok is I've had probably a quarter or more of my sales were international. And the amount of support from all around the world has been incredible. And they're even willing to pay, you know, I had to charge international shipping, which is $20 and they're all willing to pay that. So I will continue to sell and ship those out myself um, just because it's just an awesome opportunity. Maybe, maybe I'll figure out a way to hire someone to ship those things out at some point, but sure. mm -hmm. Well, how about you share, Tease the audience with the with a couple of the cards. Like, I'll put you on the spot. What's your favorite card, mm-hmm. and why? How's that? Yeah. So, for me, there's there's two in particular. One, uh, I just love when someone makes a proper margarita. Like, you can't beat a properly well made margarita. It's just all day every day. Good. Right. Um, so that one's good. And I actually, my very first bartending job was at a, 
at a Spanish restaurant. So okay. um, I've been pretty serious on those, but really the card that turns the most eyeballs, the people, actually there's two of them where I've gotten the most feedback on, like people go out of their way to email me how happy they are with these. Okay. Um, one of them is a cocktail I created that's called the elder smoke. And it is a tequila and scotch cocktail with uh, St. Germain, which is elderflower liqueur and, um, and fresh, fresh juice, fresh, uh, lime juice. And I, you make it and it's smoky. It's tequila. I know it sounds weird. Like wouldn't you use mezcal, but I tested it with oh. mezcal and scotch and the scotch won out every time and, uh, and a little bit of cranberry. So it creates this really cool gradient effect by pouring the cranberry in last. And people have just been going crazy over that. I was really shocked that people were going to like that cocktail. Um, and then I think the impressive cocktail that's well-known that everyone can find online right now is probably the Clover Club. It's a, it's a raspberry gin sour with egg white and just gives okay. you this gorgeous, gorgeous red raspberry color. Um, it's a sour with raspberry flavors, which is incredible. The gin works perfect with it. And the egg white gives it a nice thick meringue layer on top, giving it this silky, creamy consistency. And that's the one where when people come over, they're like, impress me, Mr. Bartender. And I could just make the drink. And they're all like, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I and it's pretty easy to make, honestly. Um, you you got to make the raspberry syrup. So there's a little variant there. But then the raspberry syrup lasts you for weeks. And, you know, it's super easy to make. What is your favorite cocktail to make at this time? Boulevardier. What is a Boulevardier? Uh, are you familiar with a Negroni? Oh, it's uh, kind, not enough to say yes, but not enough to say no. Yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> Negroni is, is gin, sweet vermouth and Campari, which is a very bitter That's, liqueur. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people cannot do these drinks because the flavors are too much. I love it. Maybe just being a bartender and tasting everything out there. I like extreme flavors. They just taste good okay. to me. Um, a Boulevardier is the same thing, but made with whiskey. Oh. And so I take the, I take the, the Campari and the sweet vermouth and I ramp them down and I ramp up the whiskey. So you get that whiskey flavor in there and the other two just accompany it. And, oh, I don't know what it is, but it just, it does it for me. That's, that's <laughs> okay. the thing. Okay. Well, well, yeah. What is your right now? What is your, do you have a go-to cocktail for yourself? That's got to be, that's up there. Um, the Boulevardier, man, I'm just trying to think of what I mostly do. I love like right now we're getting into spring and it's gorgeous weather here in Seattle. So um, pull out the daiquiris a little bit. Okay. Um, daiquiris are really good with a good aged rum. So refreshing and uh, it's pretty much it. I mean, it's hard not to just enjoy, you know, a good, a good whiskey and beer too. Sometimes keeping it simple is good as well. Yeah. But um, right, right. yeah, I mean, honestly for me, I joke around cause people always want to know what's your favorite drink. What's the best drink. And for me, it's like, honestly, it's the last one I had. <laughs> okay. Favorite. All right. I, I like them all. It's hard for me to have a well-made cocktail that I don't enjoy. Well, is there something that you don't like? I mean, is there uh like I do, my martinis are not my thing. I, I do not like, I will, politely or impolitely pass if somebody offered me a martini. I just, Mm -hmm. that's not me. Yeah. How about you? Is there something you just won't enjoy or don't enjoy, I guess, maybe? Uh, Sweet, really sweet drinks. Typically I don't have much of a sweet Mm -hmm. tooth. 
Um, okay. I appreciate them. I know why people like them. I'm not. <laughs> right. But that's just not you. It's just not me. And um, or really peaty scotches. It just it okay. just doesn't hit my palate that well. Um, I love a good age like Macallan or Balvenie or something mm-hmm. like that. That's not peaty. Um, but the peaty ones, I try. I've tried all of them and they just mm-hmm. they just don't. They hit my palate a little weird. They're, they're not my favorite. All right. Well, then let's turn this around. If if those don't hit your palate, if I sent you into a liquor store mm-hmm. and I said you can buy one bottle, <laughs> price price you know price is not going to be the, the the limiting factor for us here. Mm-hmm. But let's just say it's something you can find at your typical store, not you know some real esoteric place. But let's just say a typical. Well stocked store. Yeah. What would you walk? What would you purchase? If price was irrelevant and I wasn't paying for it, um, <laughs> I would probably you can typically find a class A Azul Ultra, which is a very ultra premium tequila, mm-hmm. um, for around twenty five hundred dollars. That's oh. located in most stores. I'd probably go for that. Okay. Um, or I might get down on like a Macallan 28 year. Um, Those are, I think those go for around $3,000. I would would jump on those. But if, if I'm paying for it. Yes. Now let's, let's ratchet it down to, you're going to buy it. Then I typically go towards some of my favorite bourbons and whiskeys. That's where. So what would that be? Um, Here in Washington, we're pretty spoiled lately. We, we have some really awesome bourbons here. Uh, I do love Backbeat. I love Ula. Um, Woodenville makes some good whiskeys as well. And mm-hmm. uh, if we're going for more well-known bourbons and stuff, a really, really good value bourbon that I always, every time I go to the store, I, I get it, is uh, Buffalo Trace. I love okay. Buffalo Trace. Yeah, for for the bang for the buck, it's really incredible. Um, but for the most part, um, I'm trying to stick with local Washington whiskeys because they're just so darn good here. Right. What else from Washington are you finding in this in the spirit range right now that's coming out that's interesting? Because now we can segment it into, hey, let's talk Washington State. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Washington State distilleries for 200. Yeah, exactly. What's going on? <laughs> um, I mean, for one thing, we went from a state who it was illegal to have distilleries to a state where I believe we have the most distilleries per capital of any other state now, which is I've, I've heard that to be true. That's <laughs> yeah. that crazy. You can tell how thirsty we've been here. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you could go on and on and on, but I know big gin is a very, very up and coming, just they're booming. Um, batch 206. I had a friend who worked there and their, their products are incredible. They have a really good old Tom gin there. Um, that's a little out of the norm. And mm-hmm. uh, I even friends with someone who she used to come into our restaurants all the time. Um, I believe it's a Bolivian, Bolivian spirit called Sangani. And uh, they're trying to bring it to the U S and Seattle has been their marketplace. And they're, yeah. So Sangani has been pretty fun here, but for the most part, we've been really, really heavy on our whiskeys and our gin, mm-hmm. which is Awesome, because those are, I think, my two favorite things for us to focus on. And my tequilas, I just pick up when I go to Mexico every year. But Well, let's say you don't have the luxury of going to Mexico. What's a, in your opinion, what is a good mid-shelf, if you will, tequila? 
If somebody needed to like be stuck in a bar for the first Mm -hmm. time, I'd probably recommend Espelone for people to start out. Uh, Tequila is a weird thing because you can't legally ship um, tequila from Mexico to the U.S. for sale. Uh, They have to ship up kind of the mash, the raw um, mash agave that's been spirited. And it's up to the companies what to do with it after that. And unfortunately, most of those liquor companies don't go out of their way to make good spirits. So um, Espelona is one that does really, really well. And, you know, every once in a while I try a tequila that's made here and I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised, but for the price for how good of a tequila it is, Espelone's probably the one I recommend the most. Okay. Yeah. When you're not creating cocktail cards and granted for last year, it's been a little challenging to say, get out. Yeah. <laughs> what do you like to do when you're not working? Yeah. Uh, well, we're pretty spoiled here, <laughs> so we have all types of stuff. And luckily, you know, with um, with what's been going on this year, it doesn't have to inhibit everything we're doing. Um, no. We do a lot of hiking. Uh, my girlfriend's been a little inspired by the social media and everything that I've been doing building this brand, and she loves to hike. So she's actually building out her own um, hiking uh, product review channel. Okay. Very, very brand new. And, um, so we do a lot of hiking. I love to snowboard. So if I can oh. get up, that's been a little limited this year, you know? Um, but snowboarding is really big for me. Where's your go-to place for snowboarding in Washington? I would, I used to go to Stevens all the time, but since we purchased our home in Kent, I've been going to Snoqualmie mostly and do a lot okay. of, a lot of Alpental as much as I can oh. there. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then I try to do a couple trips to crystal as well. Kind of treat myself a little bit cause they're, they're, it's such a fun mountain to go do a few trips to. And yeah, outside of that, it's really, um, you know, playing sports and stuff's been kind of shut down. I'm, I'm on multiple softball teams, so I love, okay. love doing the softball and I have so many friends just being in the industry who own bars and restaurants and, and breweries that was always part of our schedule, our routine, you know, just going, right. going around and supporting. And, uh, that's been really kind of almost shut down. I, you know, we still go out and support and buy stuff to go, but it's, it. So who do you want to give a shout out to? Um, who would you, who would you say people should mm-hmm. check out? Uh, if you guys haven't been to Burke Gilman Brewing, um, you should go check them out. They're down in Laurelhurst. They are some really good friends of mine who uh, started this brewery up. You know, they're it's kind of their side hustle, and it's they they all work full time jobs and then they work at the brewery full time. It's incredible. So they work wow, their butts okay. off, and they actually just um, they won some gold medals this year in the uh, beer festivals. And uh, they even won a nationwide IPA award, the Alpha Award this year, which is really cool. So um, their brewer, Phil, uh, he used to work at Georgetown. So he knows his Georgetown Brewing, which is huge. So he knows his way around some really, really good beer. And uh, yeah, if you guys haven't, if anyone hasn't checked them out, you should definitely go. They're incredible, awesome beers. Uh, They like doing the unique beers as well. They're very into the... Um, darker beers and Belgian beers and okay. all, the, now you're all those talking for me. things. Yeah, which are great yeah, that's, fun. That's, that's, 
kind of more my story. How about for food? Who's doing interesting food that you know? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I've been down in down here in Kent and uh, around here, the most well-known place is probably Asadera Sinaloa. Um, it's like a steakhouse. And they uh, they opened up in Bothell and one of my best friends, or not Bothell, sorry, in Ballard. And one of my best friends works there. And oh my goodness, he sends me oh. pictures of the oh, yes. like grade grade five a plus double platinum wagyu so i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> yes yes <laughs> indeed yeah they're they're pretty incredible uh but there's so many i mean you can't that go anywhere awesome. in seattle and not have awesome food i feel like anymore it's just it's i i love the food scene here it's incredible yeah no and that's something i you know i say this almost every episode when we talk to somebody about food and you know i, I miss the choices that I had when I was living in the Seattle area, you know, we don't have the, we have good food over here, but it's not as many choices. So it's like, okay. Yeah. I've heard Spokane, the food scene in the last five years has been just absolutely incredible. Spokane's food scene's awesome. When Nancy's, um, not to disrespect anybody, but our best Chinese food is at Panda Express. Yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's just, we're lacking. We're really lacking in that. But my my thing, my go-to, the thing I love more than probably anything is coffee. Mm-hmm. Any places in Kent that I should know about? You know, or, in, or for that matter, just any places you want to share that I you think I should know about? Yeah, you know, for for coffee, it's more about um, you know purchasing the coffee. So I like exploring and go around and getting different things of coffee. I'm kind of a cheapskate. Uh, with my finances on things. So I typically make my own coffees and oh, really, uh, well, not, not roast them, but I mean, I, okay. I just, I like okay. to make my coffee, whether it's an espresso or whatever, I'll just make okay. it at home. Um, okay. sort of so what beans are you going to these days? Who, who's roasting coffee over there that you're, you're trying and that you like? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of some of the recent ones that I've gotten. Uh, I love going to Fred Meyer and seeing anything that's brand new up there. Um, or going, there's this place close to our house. It's called like Pacific coffee and they have a lot of local, they're new. Like they, they've only opened up in the last year and they have like a lot of local roasters and stuff like that, Nice, um, which is really cool. So I like to stop in there and, uh, and then actually what I'm drinking right now, believe it or not, it's not even a Seattle company. It's uh, someone I met on TikTok. Uh, his name is Java John. And Java John, yeah, Java John. He's just this big goofball-y Jack Black looking, uh, awesome guy on TikTok. And right. he's been, he's been following and supporting me from the very beginning. And he left his corporate job to start a coffee company and he's been marketing and promoting it all on TikTok as well. So, um, I'm actually drinking through a few fresh roasted bags of his right now, which are really good. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. That's the, Coming back to hiking, though, going, we, I didn't ask where. Where's kind of like where do you guys like to go when you're hiking? Is there any any hikes you've gone on last year or so that you thought were like, hey, this is kind of cool. We should circle back here again. Yeah, so uh, we pretty much go everywhere with <laughs> with her her habits. At least she does. She'll even she'll she'll go like you know every weekend, and I'll maybe tag along for one of them uh, okay. per month, and then. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but she's been going over, 
um, kind of closer to the Clay Ellum area. And she's loving, and I forget exactly what that area is called, the hiking around there. Um, There's a lot. Yeah. You know, (laughs) yeah. She, she just loves the the area over there even more than um, like North Bend and, and Mount Si and stuff, which is all gorgeous. Well, yeah, beautiful. Kind of like, (laughs) it <laughs> needs a change and is like all about the change. Um, but going yeah. over there, there's a lot of, um, I can't really think of the the individual hikes, but there's some really gorgeous lakes out there. Lots of gorgeous, um, just mountain rifts that you can walk along and mm-hmm. it's a lot more open and, uh, you get a lot more views along the way as well, which is pretty cool. Right. So she's been, she's been loving the hiking out there. It's, it's a long drive, obviously right. from Seattle. Right. Uh, but when, when you're into it that much for her, it's like, eh, whatever, what's an extra 45 minutes if I'm getting a bigger payoff, right. you know? Right. So you're the first guest to wear a Seattle Kraken hat oh, yeah. on, on the, on the podcast. Not that anybody can see this hat, but you're sporting the, uh, the, the Seattle Kraken. Are you a hockey fan or are you a fan of a new team coming to Seattle? Uh, let's go with kind of a mix of the both a little bit. Okay. I wouldn't say I'm a diehard hockey fan. Um, All right. I did do marketing a long time ago for the Everett Silvertips. So I used to go to a lot of Silvertip cool. games. Okay. And, okay. uh, you know, for like birthday presents and stuff like that. I love getting people tickets to hockey games because I think a lot of people are surprised when they go to hockey games, how fun they are. Right. You know? I've never, I have never, I've yet to go to one. Mm-hmm. I was going to go to the Wenatchee wild. Wenatchee's got this team here. Yeah. And I think the arena holds like 5,000 people mm-hmm. and they sell out. Yeah. It's- well, Wenatchee's not that big. So it's a huge mm-hmm huge percentage of the towns going to a hockey game. I think it's, I want to go check it out and you know, COVID kind of screwed that up for me last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be, so you're going to get, are you going to get cracking tickets? Oh, so gonna- the cracking tickets were gone in like 13 minutes. Okay. Back. It was something so, crazy. Um, so luckily for me, I do have a very good friend of mine who is from Boston and a diehard hockey fan. And he's okay. been living here for now sheesh over 20 years so he okay he's kind of like he loves watching seattle sports teams do well um he's got, okay. he's got his blood in the boston thing right but he's oh, he's more than right. willing to uh let me go to to games and stuff with him so i'm going to be going okay. to quite a few games between him and i also have a couple other friends that got in under the wire and were able okay. to get tickets as well so um while i don't have the season tickets myself i have a few ins <laughs> Well, I saw, I was reading the Seattle Times, I think yesterday I saw this article, um, the restaurateur that owned FX Macquarie's, I can't think of his name. I should know his name, but I guess they pulled him in up in Northgate to run the restaurant that's at the Kraken's um, practice facilities that they're building. And there's going to be a restaurant there and they pulled him in to um, That'll be cool. lead the charge. The, the yeah. whole remodel looks incredible at the arena there. It should be, yeah. it should be really fun. I, I used to work for the Sonics when they were here and uh, <laughs> okay, we're done. Yeah, We're done. You broke my heart. I know. It's over. And that arena, oh. like even back then was like, Ooh, should we even have people in here? You know? Yeah. Well, no, he's not going to be at that arena up at Northgate where they, the Kraken will have their two, the practice rinks. Oh, he's going to be there. They're putting a, they're putting a restaurant there okay. overlooking two of the three rinks mm. and he's going to be overseeing that. And, you know, cause it, he ran FX McCrory's for, you know, forever. Yeah. 
And, um, and that the FX McCarty's was such a part of Seattle sports scene. Yeah. Um, so it's really kind of cool to have him back. And I think, I think hockey is going to be well received in the Northwest. I think we're going to, uh, those of us that aren't going to be able to go, we'll watch it on TV. I mean, hockey for me on TV is a little hard to, hard to follow because yeah. I don't know the sport all that well. And let's be honest, the puck is small. So it's hard to really, if you don't know what they're doing, uh, might not be the best TV experience, yeah. but we'll get used to it. We'll learn and that'll, that'll be fun. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things um, here in Seattle. You'd be surprised. We have three hockey teams here. You have, you know, the Everett right. silver tips, you have the Seattle and um, you have Kent also, or not Kent. Um, who is, Oh, actually I'm thinking tri cities. So, right. but they, yeah, Tacoma doesn't have a team. Right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you also think back of when the Sounders became an official, you know, MLS team, Uh, I was a, I was a Sounder fan back then. I was really excited. And I remember it was really hard to find anyone who would watch soccer with me. Um, and now it's hard to find anyone who doesn't want to watch the soccer match. So there's a learning curve with any new sports, but once you start learning and soccer is a tough one, because you could go a whole, a whole game with, with like a one zero match. And if you don't know what's going on, you're going to be like, that's kind of boring. But if you do know what's going on, you can be like, that was actually a way more exciting match than you would. think. Well, that's like baseball though. And no hitter, a no hitter is exciting, but you know, just a, a, a shutout isn't necessarily, we, we all want to see, you know, back in the day, we want to see Griffey hit one out of the park. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, we still want to see Griffey hit one out of the park. Let's be honest. Those, those could, first place Mariners. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> At the top, unbelievable. Once this podcast is <laughs> unbelievable. They just beat the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. So a little, they took a series from the Astros. My life is complete. You know, I, I know. mean, let's, you know, like I'm a long suffering, too, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm a long suffering Mariners fan. They have broken my heart for they're tough. forever. They're tough to root for. I mean, I will always root for well, them, but they're, it's I, an emotional I, roller coaster. Well, and you just, yeah, I mean, it's tough. And anyway, so, well, let's respect your time. We'll wrap this up, but why don't you close out by telling us where people can find you and, and we'll put links in the show notes too. So let's do that. And you can have the final say. Yeah. The final word is yours. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So if anyone's interested in checking out cocktail cards and, and supporting us, um, there's a few things you could do. One, you could obviously go follow us and check us out on social media. Um, YouTube and TikTok were very, very easy to find. Just search cocktail cards. We'll <laughs> pop up. We'll be number one. Um, awesome. Yeah. And then if you're interested in checking out the product or picking some up, uh, our website is getcocktailcards.com. So G-E-T, okay. getcocktailcards.com. And, uh, you know, everyone listening to this are probably local and you can just pick it up on Amazon. Um, if you if you hate Amazon, you can still purchase on Indiegogo for now, but, um, or reach out to me personally. You can, honestly, I've had a lot of people reach out on Instagram and just mm-hmm. me if they'd be willing to, uh, just directly pay me and do that. That's cool too. Like I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a small business guy and, uh, if wants go. to reach out, send me, you know, an email or say hi. Uh, I love all of it. It's awesome. It's been really, really fun process and met uh, a lot of cool people in the process too. All right. Well, thank you for being on. This has been a lot of fun for me and I'm looking forward to grabbing some cards and maybe improving my rusty nail game. Absolutely. Because even with two ingredients, I don't make them very, I, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Good enough. All right. All right. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Scott. 
Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. 